the rest of us knew exactly what was going on, but I don't, I don't know what to, I don't know how to fix that. All right. Well, this is a good crowd to be talking about Satan and demons tonight. I'm kind of excited about that. That'd be one I'd want to stay home from, so <laughs> surprise me. I like it. We were leaving church this morning, and funny how God works things out. Maddox was with me. Mama always puts a crock pot on for lunch, and it's always good. It's always good. <clears throat> and so we're going home to, to get into that, and uh, Maddox says, Daddy, what is a demon? I'm like, I don't know what he learned in children's church. And so I said, baby, what are you, what are you, uh, what are you talking about? He said, well, Daddy, Mr. Uh, Mr. Kyle and Mr. John, they got up and they said they wanted to be demons for our church. <clears throat> and, and he said, Daddy, I don't, I, I don't know what a, a demon is. I think Poppy's a demon too. <clears throat> and so I... Uh, I think he meant deacon, but I, he may be right. I don't know. <clears throat> I really don't know. Uh, I know enough to know sometimes. <clears throat> um, so we're going to be looking at demons and Satan tonight. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to be all over. This is kind of how doctrine is. Uh, this is a lot, of, a lot of new faces tonight. Thank you for being here. We are doing a, a series, a study on doctrine. We're trying to just look at, at different things, different studies, different, different groups of thought. And so with that being said, we go kind of all through the Word of God during these studies. And so uh, learn to flip quickly. We've got a lot to cover, and uh, the children's group is going to come and sing a song for us at the end. So my time's a little shorter, so listen quickly, okay? Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, the very beginning <clears throat> It says that God looked, he saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. Now, when I read that, I'm, I'm interpreting that to mean that not only on the earth was it good, but in heaven it was good also. Uh, everything that he created was good in Genesis chapter 1. That includes the angelic world. But by the time we get to Genesis chapter 3, we find a serpent. We find Satan, and he is trying to tempt Eve to sin. Therefore, sometime between the events of Genesis 1 and Genesis 3, there must have been a rebellion in the angelic world with many angels turning away from God. Many angels turning away from God and becoming evil. Now, the reality is we don't have a whole lot of details concerning this in Scripture. But we do have enough to get an idea about it. The first scripture we see is 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. It says, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but he cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. There's just a brief reference to it. And then we see again in Jude, verse 6. It says, In the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but they left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment on that great day. Two, two mentions of it, Second Peter and Jude, and they tell us that some of the angels rebelled against God and became hostile towards his word. You say, what led them to this? I believe it was pride. 
The Bible teaches it was pride. They looked at their position, they looked at the position of God, and they thought to themselves, I deserve more. I deserve a better spot. I deserve a better position. And so they sought out to see that happen. We also see an account of it in Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14, beginning in verse 12. It says, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn! How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, the far reaches of the pit. The language is showing that there is a rebellion in the angelic creatures. There's great power, there's dignity, but they were not satisfied. And in this verse, we see Satan. Satan is his personal name. Satan is a Hebrew word. It simply means the adversary. The Old Testament and the New Testament both use the name Satan. But he also has other names. We know that. We know the Bible calls him the devil, only in the New Testament. It calls him the serpent in Genesis and 2 Corinthians and Revelations. Calls him Beelzebul, calls him the ruler of this world, calls him the prince of the power of the air, and calls him the evil one. Satan was the originator of sin. The Bible says that he is the beginning of lies and he is the beginning of murder. John 8, 44, it says, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. 1 John 3, 8 says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Both these, it, it talk, they talk about Satan being from the beginning. It doesn't mean that Satan was evil from his creation, but it's talking about from the beginning of, of the word. We just saw Genesis chapter 3. From the beginning as we see it as humans, we look back and we see the fall and the evil nature of Satan. What do Satan and what do the enemies do? They look to destroy every work of God. They look to destroy every good work of God. From the very beginning, he comes to Eve and tempts Eve to sin and brings sin into humanity. You get to the New Testament, you see the enemy comes to Jesus, tries to get Jesus to sin and fail as his mission as the Messiah. The enemy will come, he will come in my life, he will come in your life, and he will use lies, and he will use deception, he will use murder, he will use all sorts of destructive tactics to see us fail at our mission from God. And if we're honest, we will say that he is successful in the lives of many people. The Bible says that demons will try to blind the world so they will not follow the things of God. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I wonder if you know anybody tonight who is blinded. 
they're blinded. They're walking through life. They think everything's fine, but the enemy has come in and blinded them spiritually. The enemy uses temptation and doubt and guilt and fear and confusion and pride and slander, all in order to hinder a Christian's witness and usefulness. But I want to tell you this. Satan and his minions, they are limited and they do not have power compared to God. You see this when you get to the book of Job, when, when Job, Satan wants to come and he wants to, to tempt Job and he wants to see Job throw his life away spiritually, what does he have to do? <clears throat> he has to come before God and get permission. Job 1.12, it says, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. Bible says in Jude that they are in these eternal chains. It means they can be resisted by Christians. Their power is limited. Sin is a destructive and a weakening force. Because of that, I believe that they do not have the power they once had. They have great power. Demons have great power today. But the power of angels is greater. The power of God is much greater. And the power of the Holy Spirit living in the believers today is also much more powerful. Isaiah 46 says, Remember the things of old, for I am God. And there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. There, there's often times in the Bible and God is proving who he is because he can see the future. Because he knows <clears throat> what's going to happen. Because God knows what's in our mind. Do you know this? The Bible nowhere makes us believe that angels or demons know what we're thinking. Nowhere in Scripture does it lead us to believe that demons can come inside of you and know what you are thinking. <clears throat> you say, well, what about fortune tellers? What about people who come, <clears throat> excuse me, what about people who come and they know things there's no way they should know? What about someone who comes and they, they can tell me what I had for breakfast that morning? I believe that works because maybe a demon watched you eat breakfast. What about someone who comes and they know some details that they shouldn't know? Maybe they overheard you say something and they use that against you in the future. But a demon cannot come inside of you and know what you were thinking. You know what that makes me cautious about? I'm cautious about what I say. <clears throat> I believe the enemy can use that against me. So I want to be careful. I want to be careful what I put into words. I want to be careful what I put out in the world. <clears throat> I also want to be careful about my life as a Christian. You see, I, I have different struggles than Brother Charles has. I have different struggles than, than Ryan has. I have different struggles than my grandfather has. I don't know if you have struggles at that age, but they're probably different. <clears throat> And demons don't know what our struggles are until we show them. And so it could be this. It could be that going through life, demons have no idea what you struggle with. But all of a sudden they see you giving in to a sin, giving in to a sin, giving in to a sin, giving in to a temptation over and over and over again. And all of a sudden they write that down in the playbook. And they say, I can use that against that fella. 
I know how to tempt him in the future. I know how to tempt her in the future. I know what she gives into. I know what he struggles with in life. And so I'm going to put this in his path time after time after time because I know there's many times that he jumps right into it. And so as a believer, I want to be careful. I want to be careful to avoid sin at all costs because I know the enemy can use that against me in my life. And so I want to be careful what I say and I want to be careful what I do. When you look at the Bible, you see that, that demonic activity has been different throughout the different stages of the Bible. For example, when you look at the Old Testament, you will notice there's not a whole lot of mention of demonic activity. Not, not a whole lot of references in the Old Testament about demons. There's some, but not near as many as you find in the New Testament. And so you may say, well, that means that maybe demon uh, powers are greater in the New Testament, but, but I, really, I really don't believe that's the case. When you get to the Old Testament, you see that, that many times the struggle was worshiping false gods. They would constantly begin to worship, begin to bow down, begin to idolize these false gods. Deuteronomy 32, it says they sacrificed to demons that were no gods and to gods that had, they had never known, to new gods that they had come recently whom the fathers had never dreaded. It said that they're sacrificing to these false gods and in doing so, that is demonic activity. I believe this. I believe when we read in the, the Old Testament and we read about the people of God going to fight against the pagan nations, that is a physical battle, but it's also a spiritual battle. It's the people of God against the people of Satan. You read about that in the Old Testament. You read in the Old Testament where the pagan cultures were sacrificing their children. They were taking their own children and they were sacrificing them in order to appease the gods. You know what gods they were appeasing? Satan. The Bible says that was, that was demonic activity. It says in um, Psalm 106, they sacrificed their sons and daughters to the demons. And so there's time and time again in the Old Testament, you see pagan worship, you see sacrifice of children, you see inflicting bodily harm, you see cult prostitution. And all this stuff is pointing to the work of Satan. But then you come to the New Testament. And it's a beautiful picture in the New Testament. After hundreds of years of inability to triumph over the demonic forces, the people see Jesus, and they're astonished. The Bible says they're amazed. In Mark 1.27, it says, And they were all amazed. What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Jesus comes and says, One of the ways you know my power is because I come in and I drive out the demons. I drive out the unclean spirits. Matthew 12 Verse 28, it says, But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter the strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder the house. You know who the strong man is? The strong man is Satan. And the Bible says that Jesus came in and he bound the strong man. It's probably looking back to when he resisted the temptation. In that moment, the strong man was bound up. And he comes in and he begins to redeem 
people for his kingdom. And he comes in, he binds the strong man, and he takes people who are captive, and he sets them free for his kingdom. And so we begin to see in the New Testament days the power of Jesus over Satan and his demons. Well, what about after Jesus? After Jesus, we see that his followers had power over Satan and the demons. Luke 10, it says, And the 72 returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I'm giving you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. And so even today, even today as we're in here tonight, there is power that we have over demons. There's power that we have over evil because of the Holy Spirit of God who lives inside of us. It didn't just stop in the biblical days. It continues. Well, what about after this? After this, the Bible talks about a millennium. A thousand-year reign of Christ, and during that time, Christ will reign on the earth for a thousand years. We'll get to that further as we study doctrine. But during that time, Revelation chapter 20 says, Satan and his demons will be very restricted. It says, then I saw an angel in Revelation 20 coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain, and he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan. And he bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit. And he shut it, and he sealed it over him, so that he might not deceive the nations any longer, until the thousand years were ended. And then he must be released for a little while. The Bible teaches that in the thousand-year reign there will be people, and there will be some that carry over and they never surrender their life to Christ in this thousand-year reign. During this time, Satan will be bound and he will be unable to go and to tempt the people. But during that thousand-year reign, people still have sin in their heart. And so they will begin to grow and they will begin to grow. And generations will pass and generations will pass. Until eventually there becomes one more rebellion against God. The Bible teaches there will be one more rebellion against God. And at that time, Satan and his demons will be released. And they will be able to go and gather among the nations those who are against God. And they will go and they will have a battle with God and with the people of God. Revelation 20.10 tells us how this will work. And the devil who had deceived them, was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Not much of a battle, folks. At that point, Satan and all the ones who have turned against God will be thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever, and that is the end of, sto of the story for Satan and his demons. Just a little walk through history and what's going to happen. What is the role today, though? What is the role for us of Satan and demons in the world? If you ask many folks, they will say it really is not a big deal. They'll say, I look around and I don't see demons. I can't touch the devil. It's almost like it's, it's something we joke about more than anything else. It's almost like if you really take this serious and you really think there are demons and these things that come out and get you, then you're kind of a joke. 
But I want you to see the Bible teaches that there's a whole world that's going on that we don't see. There's a spiritual realm, and we might not see it, and we might not hear it, and we might not feel it, but it's going on all around us. And so we need to be aware of it. But at the same time, not all evil and sin is from Satan and his demons. For example, when you get to the book of 1 Corinthians, that is a messed up church. You get to the book of 1 Corinthians, and you see that, that they had a problem with dissensions. Paul writes this group, and he does not say what you need to do is drive out the spirit of dissension. That's not what he says. He said you need to come together, and you need to be unified. He's saying the, the job is on you. It's not that you blame it on someone else. The job is on you to fix this. That there's another case of incest. He doesn't say, hey, guys, what you need to do is you need to lay hands and you need to drive out the demon of incest. That's not what he says. He says you need to come together as a church and you need to be appalled at what is happening and you need to practice church discipline. Again, it's on you as believers. There's another problem in the same church where they're trying to take each other to court. He doesn't say, hey, guys, come together and drive out the spirit of litigation. Drive out the spirit of selfishness. He says, you need to come together and work this out among yourselves. You need to be willing to die to yourself for the kingdom of God. It's not about all the, the demonic work. It's about the problems that you have in your own life. The Bible many times talks a whole lot more about how we need to grow in faith and in holiness. We need to accept our own responsibility, not shift the blame to the demons in the world. Nevertheless, there's many passages in the New Testament that speak about the demonic activity around us. Back to the church of, First Corinth, of Corinth, 1 Corinthians 10.20, it talks about the pagans who sacrifice to demons. First Timothy, it says, depart, they depart from the faith by giving heed to the deceitful spirits and the doctrines of demons. Talks about how demons oppose sound doctrine. Talks about how you are of your father, the devil. Talks about the ones who practice and they continue to sin because they are from the devil. Talks in Revelation about the deceiver who comes. So what do we come from all this? Here's what I believe. I believe there is a large amount of sin in our life, and it has nothing to do with, with demons. It has to do with our own sinful nature. But at the same time, there is a world around us, and I believe that Satan and his demons have an effect on a large part of our struggles. They know what to put in front of us. They know where we're going to fall. They know where we might give in to certain areas. Ephesians 4.26, it says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give the opportunity for the devil. That's always been interesting to me. What is the opportunity it's talking about? I believe it's this. There, there's an ungodly anger that's being mentioned. He says, you need to fix that soon. Because if you let it fester, if you go to sleep and you have this anger inside your heart, that gives an opening for a demon to come in and grow and grow upon your life. You ever seen that? You ever seen someone who has an anger problem and it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger? Ephesians 6 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers 
against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. It talks about putting on the breastplate of righteousness. And if you're going through life, if I'm going through life and I continue to sin, what I'm doing is I'm making a hole in my breastplate. And it's getting larger and it's getting larger and it's getting larger. And it makes it easier for Satan to come in and to attack me. And so it may be that what we need to do is we need to be careful. I want to tell you, Satan can come into our lives. Demons can come into our lives. And they can have an effect on the way that we live and the way that we sin. Could be that somebody in here, you have a problem with anger. And maybe the enemy uses that. Could be that someone in here, you've got a problem with lust. And it happens over and over and over again. And the enemy can come and he can use that. It could be that someone has a problem with self-control. And the enemy can come in and he can use that. It leads to the question, can a Christian be demon-possessed? We hear a lot about that, don't we? Demon possession. Can a Christian be demon-possessed? You know, when you look through the Bible... <clears throat> You don't find terminology that, that talks about someone being possessed. You really don't find that in the scriptures. You find where the Bible says someone had a demon. There's many references that talks about someone who had a demon. Matthew 11, Luke 7, John 7. You see references of demonic influence. But rarely is there language that a demon actually possesses someone. There's an example you're probably thinking of. That's in Mark chapter 5, the demoniac who comes, and it seems like there's no control in his life. But that is a very rare case. That doesn't happen a whole lot in the Scripture. And so if you come and you ask, can a Christian be demon-possessed, you've got to understand, what do you mean by possessed? If you mean by possessed, can a Christian come to the place that they have no more control of their life? Can a Christian come to the place that they cannot choose to do right and wrong? That they, they have no ability to make decisions? And I believe the Bible says no. That can certainly not happen. Romans 6, 14, it says, For sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under the law, but since you're under grace. But on the other hand, if you say, Can a Christian be influenced by demonic activity? Absolutely. I would say absolutely. As believers, we can be influenced. So at least the question, how much? How much influence can Satan and his demons have in our life? I don't know. It's kind of like this question. How much can a believer live in sin and still be saved? I don't know. It should be a rare condition, right? It's not the norm. It's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we are to be people who are separated from sin. The Bible teaches that we are to be people who are separated from the evil spirits but there are those times and those conditions that those lines get blurry and so I believe we will always have the power the authority but there can be cases that there is a strong strong influence how can demons be recognized if we come across demonic activity how can we recognize it how can we know it number one I'll tell you this I believe if there is demonic activity, there will be a strict aversion to the things of God. Listen, we know people, I know people, and they could care less about God, right? You know people like that? They just, they just don't care. But I also know people, and they want to see the things of God destroyed. 
right? I mean, there's a whole nother level to it. And I believe when you look at the Word of God, you see that when there is demonic activity, there is going to be a strict aversion to the things of God. Mark chapter 1, we see that Jesus is going to the synagogue, and Jesus is about to teach. He's about to begin to proclaim the truth of Scripture, Mark chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. He recognizes who Jesus is, and he can't sit there and listen to the preaching. He can't listen to the teaching. He can't listen to the voice of Jesus. He must interrupt it. When you know somebody like that, there's a good indicator that there is demonic influence in that situation. When you find folks who just, they can't stand it. They can't stand it. They can't stand that you love God. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to hear it. They want nothing to do with it. Satan has blinded their eyes. We also see that when there is destruction... Personal destruction or destruction to others, there's a good chance that is involved in demonic activity. Mark 5, the demoniac, says, And when Jesus had stepped on the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. And he lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains But he wrenched the chains apart, he broke the shackles into pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and the mountains, he was crying, and he was cutting himself with stones. You know what's demonic? I believe suicide always has demons behind it. It is not the nature of humanity to take one's life. I believe there's always an influence on that. You know what kids are doing nowadays? It's a big thing. They take blades, and they begin to cut their wrists. They cut down their arms just to, just to watch it bleed. They'll have lines and lines and lines and lines. That's not natural. That's not a natural impulse. I believe that is demonic. That is demons who leave them to take a blade and begin to cut their skin. The Bible talks about it in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and it is always wrapped around the work of the enemy. The Bible talks about how you will know demons. You will know when there is no truth in doctrine. They want to spread false doctrine. They want to spread things that are not true and that are not right. So what do we do? Well, the Bible says that we have authority over demons. Luke 9, 1, it says, He gave them power and authority over all the demons. The Bible teaches that He gave us authority when He was on the cross of Calvary. Hebrews 2.14 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. Say, so what do I do if I suspect there may be some demonic activity? And I realize this is tough stuff. I mean, if you go out and you begin to talk about driving out a demon, people are going to think you're crazy, right? I mean, just talking about it, it's like, that's kind of crazy that's kind of weird but if we take the bible as what it is there's an influence and so maybe you look at your life and you say man I I keep struggling in this area in this area in this area it may be that you need to say in the name of Jesus I command you spirit of pride selfishness greed 
lust, whatever it is, in the name of Jesus, I command you to get out of my life. That is biblical. That's what the Bible teaches. There may be something in your life, and it just seems like it's so repetitive. You keep struggling, you keep struggling, you keep struggling. It may be there's more to the story that you don't even see. And you need to drive that out in the name and in the power of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that's strange. You don't ever do that, right? You don't see that in churches today, but you see it in the Word of God. Because in the Word of God, they were aware of the battle that's raging all around us. And it may be that there's an influence in my life or in your life, and that is what needs to happen. What did Jesus do when he was tempted with evil? He quoted Scripture. The, the Word of God says this is the sword. You want to go and you want to fight the enemy? Go and, and swing the sword a little bit. Go and quote Scripture. you got to know the Scripture to quote it. Go when you're struggling with a sin and you feel that there may be something going on around you. Open your Bible up and begin to read out of his word. I can promise you if there's any evil spirit, he will flee the place because they cannot stand the truth of God. It's not a place they want to be. You look in the Bible, you see when they're around Jesus, they've got to flee. Remember the, the demoniac in Mark chapter 5? They said, Lord, we've got to get out of here. Do with us what you will. And he cast them into the herd of pigs. And then what happened? Those pigs ran off the cliff. They just had to get away from Jesus. They just had to leave. Some of us were so caught up in sinful activity, we don't even think about calling out to Jesus. But here's, here's maybe the, the kicker of it all. <clears throat> It may be that, that we like our sin so much, we don't even want to drive it out. I mean, that could happen, couldn't it? It could be that we are so attached to our sin, we don't want to get serious about it. And this is serious. I mean, this is, this is different stuff. And so I like my sin, so I'm just going to keep on keeping on. But if you keep on keeping on, you won't be what God's called you to be. And so drive it out in the name of Jesus. You may look like a crazy person at home walking through your house, reading scripture, calling out the name of Jesus. That's okay. We all know you're crazy. Doesn't change anything. We sing. We sing earlier, there's power in the name of Jesus. Why don't we use that name? We always talk about the power. We talk about the name of Jesus, that blessed name. Use that name. Demons can't stand it. So I want you to be aware of this. I, I know we, we've been all over the place, and it's hard to preach this stuff, Brother Charles, because you just you hop in from one place to the next. But as believers, if we could be aware, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There's a battle that's raging all around us that we can't see, but it, it's real. And it's for your life. It's for your children. It's for your family. And it's worth getting serious about it. It's worth realizing that, man, there's stuff going on. So I want to ask you just to close your eyes. I want to ask you just to look inside your heart and say, is there any, is there any way, is there any area, is there any spot that I've given the enemy a foothold in my life? The Bible talks about going to bed angry. Maybe it's something else. The Bible talks about the, the one who continues in sin is not of God but of the devil. Are you giving the enemy a foothold? And he's taking a hold of that and he is using that against you day after day after day after day. First part is to recognize it. And then I ask you, what are you going to do about it? Maybe there's somebody you know and, and man, it just makes sense. There's something going on behind the scenes. Pray for them. Pray in the name of Jesus for their life. 
Realize the power at our disposal. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the, the time to come, God, and just look all through your word. And Lord, we realize there are so many times that, that we give in to the enemy. Lord, there's traps set, and we just buy right into them. Lord, I pray that, that we'll realize what's going on around us. Lord, that we will see sin the way that you see sin. We won't want anything to do with it, God. And Lord, I pray if there's any demonic activity that has any one of us in here, that we will drive that out in your name. We will cling to the power of you, the power in your Holy Spirit, the power in your word. And we'll become the people that you've called us to be. And so, Lord, even if it looks strange, let us to be willing to look strange for you. Even if it sounds crazy, God, let us to be willing to sound crazy for you. Lord, it may be there's someone in our life that it just, it just makes sense. They are totally, totally against you. Lord, maybe we need to go and see those folks and, and pray for them in person. Lord, whatever you lead us to do, I pray we'll be willing to do it. We'll take your word seriously, not just when it's easy, but even when it's difficult. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen.
Let your light shine before me.
Oh, wasn't that good? Amen. All right. <laughs> uh, she did good. That let my light shine. Amen. For Jesus. Hey, let me just. Uh, you pray for these workers. I tell you, this is a handful right here. When you put 20 preschoolers in one group back there, uh, they have a good time. Don't forget next Sunday morning, everyday evangelism. We'll be all meeting in here at 9.15, and then Dr. Matt Queen will be here. We'll have a little soup and salad afterward, and then a couple of sessions. There'll be no night service next week. Everything will be done during the morning and then right after church, and then we'll go home. We won't have a night service next Sunday night. Uh, don't forget diapers, uh, three, four, five. Bring those and help with that. Eden Place this week. Don't forget men's breakfast. Saturday morning uh, at uh, Golden Corral, 8 o'clock. And then the Connection Group meeting Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, over here in the conference room. Be praying for, uh, you can see just a little dose of uh, why we need a new children's building uh, because they've literally outgrown everything there is. Be praying about building for eternity and what God would have you do in that part. Is, is Brother Clark in here? Brother Clark, are you in here? Nope. Okay. All right. Well, we won't get his words of wisdom. I was going to, he, he said some words of wisdom this morning. I wanted him to, to say that again, but I don't remember what they were. Uh, so I won't even try to repeat it, but it was good. I'll guarantee you it was good. Let me ask you to do this also. Uh, most of you here know Aura Williams, and uh, uh, Aura is a diabetic. And uh, they went over today after church uh, because she was not here and uh, broke into the house and she was laying kind of unconscious on the floor. Uh, they don't know how long she had been out. Uh, when the EMTs got there, they don't know if she laid on the floor all night uh, or anything. Her blood sugar was 1,300 uh, this afternoon. They've got it down just before church started to 600. But she's still kind of in a semi-conscious. She's not really very conscious. So uh, they say these next 12 hours are really critical. Uh, she's in ICU at Good Shepherd. And so please uh, pray for Miss Aura. And Corey's there with her and her sisters are there with her also. And uh, you pray for her in this very critical time here. All right? Uh, any other word before we go? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Mike Taylor, would you close us in prayer and would you pray for Aura too? Yes. Father, I love you. And Father, I praise your holy name and I just thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you for allowing me personally to be a part of it and just, just, just everything that you're doing. These children singing about letting their light shine. Father, that the, 
adults will just let our light shine, just, just take some lessons from that, Father. And I just pray for Miss Aura, for Court, that whole family, Father, that you would heal Miss Aura, that you would just just take care of her. And this time, as the doctor's saying, that the next 12 hours are important. Father, we trust in you. We know that you're in control of each one of these situations, Father. We love you and we praise you. In this Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How are you? I like your bow. Okay, boys and girls, do you see? 
Boys and girls, do you see where the line is now, where the circle goes? Miss Stacy, point that out on this side and Miss Donnie's. So your circle will go only to the blue line, you understand? And the middle people, yeah, yeah. We'll just Okay, boys and girls, what I want you to do now is, uh, Landon, you lead your line down. You come from, oh, 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 oh. Okay, Maddox, will you lead your line down to the, to the back, please, and go back to the foyer? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Just a second, baby. Do we want him to go down? Uh, we would, it'd be better to go up these stairs, wouldn't it? To, instead of going on the far side. Maddox, let's go down these stairs, sweetheart. And Land, Landon, you'll come up these stairs. Okay, that's right. Stay in line, but go down these stairs. And go to the back. Go to the back. Stay in line. Stay in line. Landon, you're going this way. And you'll be the first one to come on. And you'll come up these middle stairs. Watch. Ashlyn, okay, go on. We're going to start it just as soon as you get to the back and get your palm branches. Okay. Okay, run, tell them to pass out the palm branches, please. Do what? Tell them to pass out the palm branches. Oh, where are they? Donise has them. Donise, go ahead and pass out the branches and we can get this on the road. Donise, pass them out. Pass out the branches right quick. Brandy, go help her pass those out. John, if you'll help her pass those out. Folks, can I have your attention, please? We're about to rehearse with the children, so we need these aisles, the outside aisles, to be clear, please. Thank you. Feel free to visit in the middle, but we're about to go down the side aisles. Thank you. Are your kids coming? They're done. They're done. Okay, well you wanna be, you wanna watch so you'll think. Okay. Okay, Mr. Kyle, hit it. We're ready, children. Jesus is coming. Hosanna. Look at the people to the side. Jesus is coming. 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 Jesus
If you're a kid's price parent, if we are borrowing biblical costumes from Lufkin, they'll be here by Wednesday night. I'd like to, right after Awana's Wednesday night, I'll have the costumes on a rack in the fellowship hall. And if uh, I'd like to at least hold the costume up and make sure it's the right length for, for your kiddo. Because that'll be, we won't have them till then, sorry. And then Sunday morning, parents, I'd like you to uh, leave Sunday school right on time or maybe a tiny bit early. Shh, don't listen to this, Mark and Monica. And just, and come to the, we'll have to get dressed in the fellowship hall. And uh, if you would dress your child, everything will be on the hanger, all the pieces. So if y'all will dress your kids, that's about the only way we'll get it together. Thank you so much for staying after class.